Well, I've got good news for you. How many of you... How many of you want more joy? All right. Well, let's flip our Bibles open to the book of Philippians. You didn't know what I meant last time? That's what I... You missed it? Well, yeah. You got to have to take skill, babe. Skill to have this level of humor. All right. How many of you want more joy? Well, how many of you want to improve your attitude? This is getting progressively better. There was almost a revolt between those two questions on Saturday. I won't say who did it. Well, if we want to, if we will improve our attitude, it will increase our joy. Our subtitle for this series in Philippians is a Christian attitude. And that's really the, the lens or the, the lever uh, that we'll be using to listen and respond to the text for the most part. Uh, so let's look at today, let's look at ways to adjust our attitude. We will set our attitude to grace. Speaking of which, let me begin by saying it again. Now may God give you grace and peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1 beginning at verse three, reading from the New King James. Are you ready? Well, Rick is ready. Are you ready? All right, here we go. I thank my God. I, I hope that you sip and savor the language of Paul. Nothing's on accident here, especially if we believe the Holy Spirit prompted these words and ideas. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy. And that's it. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Are you ready? Three things that we see here. Three things that Paul does. <coughs> he does them with joy or that give him joy or that result in more joy. Here, they are. Number one, he says, I think of you often. You want to say that out loud? It's super easy. Want to try it? I think of you often. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. The direction of his thought life was others. The direction of his thought life was others. Do this. This is our first attitude adjustment. The direction of his thought life was on or toward or about others, as opposed to, I think about myself. <laughs> think about myself. I think about what's, what isn't right, or I think what, about what's not enough, or I think about what's wrong, or I think about what I'd prefer. Paul's thought life was directed toward others instead of or as opposed to what we might call a hyper self-awareness. Now, we need some degree of self-awareness if we're going to function in life, if we're going to have any kind of emotional IQ, if we're going to have any kind of couth, if other people are going to be able to tolerate us whatsoever. 
We need some degree of self-awareness. But hyper-self-awareness means that I cannot live so that my ego eclipses the world around me. So that I am mostly aware of and mostly concerned about a moi. A Christian attitude isn't that way. In fact, I can't really, we shouldn't, Paul's, not only is it compared to I'm thinking about myself, but nor am I simply thinking about things. I'm not just consumed with circumstances or pressures or projects. But a Christian attitude thinks of and about others. A Christian attitude thinks of and about others. We'll hear more about this when we, when we eventually get there. Philippians chapter 2. At this pace, it will be in the millennium. But uh, chapter 2, verse 20 and 21 says, Paul's talking about Timothy. And he says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone else looks out for their own interests. See, he's identifying Timothy. He's associating him with himself, but he's, he's proud of, he's commending, he's exemplifying the fact that Timothy has a Christian attitude. He invests his energy, his affection energy, his mental energy in others as opposed to himself. It is a fundamentally Christian attitude to think more about others than ourselves. Now, the old adage is this, that humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. The irony is that for too many people, in pursuit of happiness, people focus on themselves. And then they keep finding that real joy remains elusive. But unfortunately, they double down. Well, if I'm not happy, I better focus on me more. And the more we focus on me, the further from real joy we get. The truth is that joy is only found beyond the boundaries of our self-interests. Matthew 16, 25, Jesus said, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whatever loses, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I think of you often. Now don't miss this. Not only does Paul think of others often, he tells them about it. Don't miss that Paul is telling others that he thinks of them often. He thinks of them and he wants them to know that he does. Do this. Secondly, Paul says this. I give thanks to God for you. I give thanks to God for you. you want to say it out loud? I, I give thanks to God for you. The direction of his thought life was others. The content of his thought life was gratitude. Not only does Paul think gratefully about others, 
pay attention to Paul, what Paul says. He expresses that thanks to God. We've said it before that gratitude unexpressed is ingratitude. Gratitude unexpressed is probably entitlement. Gratitude unexpressed is just a bad attitude. Paul, not only does he think gratefully, but he takes time to express that thanks to God. Do this. This is another attitude adjustment. As you think about others, think gratefully about them and give thanks to God for them. Now you compare that to, and I don't like to use a lot of we statements, like it's not with first person pluralism, it's not healthy, it's not academic, and usually it's wrong, but in this case it may fit. So if I say this, as opposed to that, or in comparison to that, how often do we allow other sentiments to accompany our thoughts about others? Either allow it, or invite it. In other words, instead of, so I, here I see my friend Zoe and I'm thinking about Zoe and if I'm following Paul's example, what I wanna do is when I think about Zoe, I want to intentionally decide to be thankful for him and to tell God that I'm thankful for him. as compared to other things that we do. Back in the day, a few days ago, I was teaching a class called Help, I Have a Teenager. <laughs> and I, I didn't even have one, but I, was a, the, I had come out of retirement to be a youth pastor for about the fifth time. And uh, so I was being a youth pastor, and so I was, it, was a, it was a workshop for parents called Help, I Have a Teenager. And one of the class topics was modify your metaphor. The idea is that too often when we think of someone, there, we, we consciously or unconsciously attach some kind of a sentiment or a metaphor to them. And that sentiment, that metaphor affects our attitude and our interaction with them. So if we were going to just play the game and you know just take a, a swing at, at, uh, at um, you know, things that are, you know, what is that called when it's, when you, what's that called when something happens all the time? You know, anyway, but if it's, 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 you know, like if we said, okay, let's have a teenager, let's say their room's messy. That's a common thing, right? And so if I think, well, I think of my teenager and I think of their room and if I'm not careful, then the sentiment or the metaphor that I might have is, well, they're a, they are a, okay, Slava, I was going for pig, but fine. Okay. If I think that, if that's my sentiment, if that's my, if that's my metaphor, how's that going to affect my interaction with them? Right? It's, it's going to influence it or even determine it. But if I, so we modify the metaphor and I think of them as something else, I attach a different sentiment to my thoughts of them, it will change my interaction with them. And if we're following Paul's example, the best Christian attitude, the first and greatest sentiment to attach to a person is gratitude. Be thankful for them in the presence of God. And it will affect how you think, what you think, and what you say next. Now here's where the objections might come in. I know what you're thinking, some of you. And it's not divination, it's just common sense. You might be thinking, well, the Philippians were people they were easy to be grateful for. So, 
I mean, who wouldn't be thankful for people who are easy to be grateful for? Hmm. Well, that may be true. The Philippians were easy to be grateful for. They were good to Paul. They were friends of his. They were supportive of him and all that kind of thing. They were easy to be thankful for. But if that's true, then it should be true of you. You should be people who are easy to be grateful for. Are you living, are you relating to others in a way that when you come to their minds, they would be grateful for you? Are you giving anyone a reason to be grateful for you when they think of you? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you're amening so loud, it's hard to finish preaching. <laughs> Quiet down, you're too enthusiastic. <laughs> so it's true, and it's a good point, but uh, we can't really blame the, the Philippians for this. <laughs> because it turns out, turns out, turns out it's more about Paul's attitude than the Philippians' character. Because we, actually, this is, who, this, is a, this is about who Paul is and not who they are. How do we know that? Well, because when we go to the book of Ephesians, Paul says, hey, by the way, I think of you often, and I thank God for you all the time. Oh, well, then maybe that's just them. Well, turns out, he says the same thing to the Colossians. I think of you, and I thank God for you all the time. He says the same thing to the church at Portland. I mean, Corinthians. <laughs> he says, I think of you, and I thank God for you. He says the same thing to the folks at Rome, and he hadn't even been there yet. He says the same thing to the church at Thessalonica. He says the same thing to Timothy. He says the same thing to Philemon. This is about Paul's attitude, and it must be about ours. But don't miss this. Not only does he think of people and tell them about that he's thinking of them, not only does he thank God for people, he tells them, I thank God for you. I want you to think of how that feels or would feel. To take time to express to someone specifically that you thank God for them. It's wonderful to say, hey, I'm thankful for you. That's wonderful. That's a great start. You should at least start there. But the, Paul is saying something a little bit even more rich than that. He's saying something that sounds more like this. And I'm just going to ask, let's just experiment to see how this feels. I could say, hey, Dennis, thankful for you, right? And he knows that. It kind of sounds like small talk, but I mean it. But what Paul is saying is something else. He's saying this. He's saying, Dolores, I want you to know that I know that you are a grace from God in my life. And I thank God for it. That's different. That's different. This is what Paul does. I'm, I'm, you're a grace from God in my life, and I tell him that, and I want you to know. Our gratitude is still Godward, but we're sharing it with those who benefit knowing about it. You know what I'm loving right now is I can just, I can, because of where I am and where you are, I can see some of you begin to take the opportunity to tell the person next to you how you feel. 
you should give it a shot. You should give it a shot with your teenagers speaking to them. You might even give it a whirl with a spouse. <laughs> Do this. Think of and be grateful for others. Express God, express thanks to God for them and let them know about it. Thirdly, Paul says this, I am praying for you. When Paul thinks of and gives thanks for others, he prays for them. The direction of his thought life with others, the content of his thought life is gratitude, and the activity of his thoughts are prayer. His thinking of others and thanking God for them is cause for his prayers for them. It is too easy, it's too low-lying fruit to say, <laughs> yeah, that is a lot different than what comes out of our mouth too often when we're thinking about people. I, you know people like that, but not you. <laughs> he thinks of them, he thanks God for them, and then prays for them. This is intercession. Intercession is having an awareness of the presence of God and considering others, and then speaking accordingly. Some folks might want to make too much or too uh, make too much complication out of intercession, like it's a multisyllabic spiritual exercise for the elite. No, I'm aware. I, I am aware of the presence of God. I am gratefully considering another person, and then I'm going to speak accordingly. I'm going to give thanks for them. I'm going to speak grace over their life. I'm going, to, I'm going to begin to feel the heart of God toward them. I want to pray for their best, and pray for their needs, pray for their future, their concerns. I want to pray God's will for them. And then I'm going to tell them, don't miss it. He thinks of people and lets them know he's thinking of them. He is grateful for them and lets them know he's grateful for them. And he's praying for them and he lets them know, I'm praying for you. Do this. Think of, be thankful for, and pray for others. And then Paul says this, all of this gives me great joy. All of this gives me joy. Paul does all of it with joy. It's a source of joy for him. Joy does not happen to me. Joy comes out of me. Joy is not a consequence of my circumstance. It is a result of my attitude. We have said that joy is confidence in the goodness of God. It's true. I think we can even fine-tune that to say that joy is confidence in the grace of God. And as Paul thinks of others and he gives thanks for them and he speaks to God concerning them, I believe it draws him into a fresh and confident awareness of the grace of God. And this is cause for joy. I think that one of the causes for unjoy, 
maybe I need better language, but I think you get it. I think one of the causes for not joy in our life is what circulates or percolates in our inner person as we think either of ourselves, too much perhaps, or others. If we allow negative sentiment about others to brew in us, Anything from complaining or competition to just apathy can sabotage our joy. But if when we think of others, we give thanks to them, for, thanks to God for them and pray for them, it'll introduce a fresh joy into our own lives. Do this. This is how we will increase our joy. This is how we will improve our Christian attitude. Think of others, give thanks to God for them, and pray for them. Now, normally at the end of any service, and I want to do this more often, we take time to pray for, for us, for now. We want to even respond to the text or respond to the word by praying for ourselves. And that's always fine. It's always good. And at the end of almost every service, I'd love the opportunity to pray with anyone who would like prayer. At the end of any service, if, 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 at the end of every service, any service, if you just want to come to the front here, there's plenty of room. And if you just extend your hands out like this, that just says, hey, I'm here to receive prayer. And we won't pray. We're not going to talk about the Super Bowl or politics. I'm just going to pray that God would give you grace. I'm going to pray for the, the ministry of the Spirit in your life. But today, and perhaps a few more times in this text, today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to pray, we're going to close by you praying for someone else. I don't mean your neighbor. Let's try this. If you're willing and able, first of all, let's stand together and let's just begin, let's just cultivate a fresh awareness of the presence of God. You can do that with thanksgiving, you can do that with praise. We praise your name, Lord. You are holy. You are good. You are gracious, Lord. You are loving and kind. We thank you that you are present. You are faithful. Great are you, Lord, and great, greatly to be praised. Most worthy of praise. You're wonderful, Lord. Wonderful, Lord. Majestic, Lord. We give you thanks for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord. Now, with an awareness of the presence of God, I'm going to ask you to who is the first person that comes to your mind? Don't sort through it like a deck of cards. Don't say, no, not that one. No, not that one. Just the, the first person that comes to your mind. Right, pause, and I want you to, above a murmur, give thanks for that person. Go ahead, just give thanks for them. Thank God for them. Thank God for them. And now, pray for them. What the first thing that comes to your heart, their, what their needs are, what you, what you feel is in the heart of God for them, just pray for them. Speak accordingly with an awareness of God and gratitude over their life.
Excellent. The only thing left to do before you get to, before you get on the road is now you get your phones out and you let them know. Hey, I was thinking of you. I thank God for you. And I was praying for you. Try that. And then do it over and over and over and over and over. And watch your joy. Watch theirs. Watch what happens. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ accompany you. May God give you increasingly more grace and peace in Jesus' name. I encourage you to spend some time in the cafe. We're going to have, there's lots of refreshments in there. Enjoy uh, your friends. Make new friends. God bless you. You can be dismissed. If you'd like prayer, come on up front. Hold your hands out. We'll pray together. Otherwise, God bless you.